So the the sound you're hearing there, it does sound a little bit like sizzling bacon, but but it is in fact the sound of uh, Rice Krispies. It's Rice Krispies with fresh milk poured over them. The snap, crackle, and pop we're all familiar with, uh, but but there's actually more going on there. Uh, Kel- Kelly, can you tell us about it? Sure. There was a fourth one, uh, Pow, and um, he's kind of like this elusive fourth brother-like character in the elf family there. I so, mean, uh, they are four, there are three elves, and we all know them. They have distinct characteristics. Um, one has a baker's hat. One has a little knit cap. One has, like, a marching band leader's hat. And then this fourth one, he's a spaceman. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just so strange. I was just like, well, how does this even kind of, how does this fit in? <laughs> so so there, was, there was a point in history when... Uh, you know, you would think about Rice Krispies, and you would you wouldn't think Snap, Crackle, and Pop. You would think Snap, Crackle, Pop, and and Pow. <laughs> yeah, in early 1950, um, the marketers were discussing how they could include this like healthy uh, component, this health component, into their cereal. He was supposed to represent the power of whole grain rice. That was the whole oh. thing. <laughs> yeah. So he was this silent spaceman that just flew down from space in this, like, hovercraft thing and pointed at things. And uh, he would point to, you know, the cereal box, and he would stand there with his arms on his hips and uh, just be powerful, like he was supposed to represent how the cereal was going to be healthy for your kids, I suppose. So uh, what what happened? Why, why did Pal not survive until today? <laughs> so I asked Kellogg's that. Kind of the general consensus that I got from... Um, the woman I spoke to at Kellogg's was kind of that, like, it didn't have a good ring to it, you know? Yeah. It just, it, the fo- it's like snap, crackle, and pop, and then pow. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, was just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Kelly Smith is a freelance writer for the Smithsonian Magazine. Kelly, thanks so much for talking to us about this. Yeah, no problem. So let's try this. Let's take the, the sound of the Rice Krispies, and let's see if we can hear the, the pow. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of crackling and snapping mm-hmm. in there. We j- well, let's slow this down. And see if we can hear the the pow sound. So here here's the slowed down sound of Rice Krispies. This is uh, the soundtrack of nightmares. Yes, I'm hearing a lot more clanging. Yeah, this is a, this is a, like a breakfast horror show. I I have to say I'm not hearing hearing a pow. I mean, yeah, it, it, this sounds like uh, you're trapped in a prison. Yeah, and it's it's an it's a ghost prison. Breakfast prison. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. On today's show, we'll get some lady spying advice from a lady spy. But first, Patton, what can we help you with? I have some trouble telling people my name. Okay, why is that? Because it's Patton Acock. Oh, boy. Patton Acock. Patton Acock is my full name. P-A-T-T-O-N. My middle name is Alexander. My last name is C-O-C-K-E, pronounced Cock. When did you first realize that this was a problem? I, I actually remember the exact like day. I was in, I guess, seventh grade, and uh, an eighth grader said to me, like, hey, you know what your name means? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know. Because I, I made the connection about the whole cock thing a while before, <laughs> but I never, like, altogether made the whole patinee. Did you ever talk to your parents about it? Yeah, I remember when I first figured it out, I, I went home and asked my mom and dad how they didn't realize it. <laughs> and they hadn't until 
right thing when I asked him about it. Well, are there any other cocks in your family that have a an odd uh, first name that or, or a first name that's given them trouble? No, I'm really the only one who kind of got the silly name. Do you want an alternative, or do you want to just find a better way to kind of present it to people? Or I'm open to suggestions. Honestly, the worst is when like teachers are going through roll like in classes, and they'll be going down the names, and they'll come up to mine. And and they don't know how to say it, and I don't I don't want to be the jerk class, you know, cock in the middle of class. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna look into this, and <laughs> hopefully maybe we can find somebody I don't know who can uh, maybe someone who's experienced something similar. <laughs> I, I hope. Now, Pat Patton is not alone in in having a name that is maybe funny to other people. Or maybe it has different meanings. Right. Uh, Anthony Weiner, former congressman uh, from New York, has some experience with this. Is this Mike or Ian? This is Mike. And my uh, name is Mike. Don't you know what? Just, We're not even. Kidding. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> At least let's start. Okay. So, um, Congressman Weiner, you heard uh, Patton's story. Uh, you have a name that you know has different meanings. Uh, you might have struggled with with something like this. Uh, is that right? Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, being a politician from the neighborhood that I cut my teeth in, frankly, the Anthony was the much more complicated thing. You know, we we had to go to uh, to some to, to to some great lengths to uh, to explain that name. But so it's uh, some of it's cultural. Maybe he maybe he needs to be in a community that uh, that is is more comfortable with that name. Well, I think I think he is comfortable, but didn't as a kid. I mean, kids are cruel. Kids make fun. They'll seize on any opportunity they can. Did kids ever give you grief for having the last name Wiener? Yeah, but that isn't that kind of the point. Like I heard the last original Wiener gag when I was in the fifth grade. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he doesn't hear anything new that he hasn't hasn't heard. It actually is a fairly high bar for anyone giving him uh, grief about it. Someone actually came up with an original gag about that name. I think more power to them. So that, that's actually a good advice, you know, to put yourself in that mind frame that it's uh, really the the pressure uh, and the potential humiliation is is not on the the owner of the name, but anyone who attempts to, to tease him about it. Right. I mean, if you're going to do a gag about his name, uh, you really have to, to come up with something something new if you're not going to be uh, if you're not going to just be be treading on ground that is that is well covered. Would, would, before you became a national figure, or before you became, you know, a politician, you know, where you were out there with your name, did you ever uh, have to come up with a strategy when introducing yourself to people? My first run for office was when I was at, in in Congress, and when I ran for Senate, student senate at college, where I, I went in upstate New York, and I campaigned. I made the name an asset. You know, uh, what were some of my slogans? I vote for Weiner. He'll be frank. <laughs> uh, vote for Wiener, he's on a roll. Uh, vote for Wiener, he'll relish your vote. You know, like I, it, it, it turned out to be a real asset. You know, when someone, when you have a memorable name, people, hey, remember your name, which is which is important in politics. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever have any nicknames growing up? Uh, well, this guy down the block called me head, but I don't think that had anything to do with, with my name. I just think he was the neighborhood bully. But you know, when you have a name as memorable as mine, people just call you by the name. Well, with with your campaign signs, you you clearly, I mean, there are a lot of ways to interpret the word wiener, and you went with the uh, the hot dog uh, interpretation versus the you know phallic I- interpretation. Maybe Patton could try and embrace the rooster interpretation of cock. Well, first of all, this is the first I'm hearing there was a phallic interpretation <laughs> of my name. Um, the, but but as far as this guy, I mean, he's he's in college. He's gonna work through this stuff, and I'm sure he'll come out the other side thinking, you know, I got a pretty cool name. 
We are, as always, here for you, ready to answer your questions. Whatever you need to know, uh, send us an email at howto at npr.org. Ashley wants to know uh, about spy shows. She says she watches spy shows and movies and needs to know, do real lady spies actually wear high heels? And and uh, moreover, how do they fight the way they do while, while wearing high heels? On the line with us now is somebody who has firsthand experience doing this, former CIA agent Valerie Plame. So, Valerie, you're, you're a lady spy, right? <laughs> I was a lady spy, and... Here's the truth. I have never, ever said this before. This is really classified information, and if the CIA hears this, it's all over. Um, When a lady spy, as she puts it, joins the CIA, you are given retractable high heels. What? Yeah, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. because, let's face it, you really can't run in very high heels, much less walk properly for any distance. And sometimes you have to move fast. So, so what, do you, what do you do? So they have these shoes, and they, you know, there's a very secret way, but you can sort of collapse the heel. And uh, it has, if it has decent treads, then you're good to go. This is not true. You're, this is a joke, right? <laughs> like I said, it's classified. <laughs> I mean, I imagine uh, one of the skills a spy has to have is to convey implausible-sounding information in a plausible way. <laughs> and I feel like that's what's happening with the high-heeled retractable shoes. But you, you still you are not denying that this is true. I'm just saying the CIA is incredibly resourceful. Well, I know, because they do have uh, shoes. I think they're called Rollies that have little <laughs> wheels on them that are retractable. My kids had them when they were small, and they were very fun, but they're not terribly attractive, and mm-hmm. you, know, you can't make them into high heels. But uh, The other trick that I've learned, I use double-sided tape a lot. I put it inside the sole of the shoe, so <laughs> you don't fall out of them as easily. <laughs> oh, sure. You don't get that like sandal flapping effect. Exactly, yeah. and that uh, that has been very helpful in many a situation. Do you have any other tips like that? Any other, uh, I don't know what you would call them, like spy beauty tips? <laughs> I never thought of them in that way. <laughs> uh, mostly uh, spy beauty tips are concerned with not being recognized or not standing out, uh, whether it's using disguises, wigs, or glasses, or your posture. Uh, that's not so much beauty, of course. It's really all about protecting your asset, making sure that you don't have undue attention on you, and you can move through a, a crowd without drawing attention in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just have to ask, what, what was the best gadget you ever got? <laughs> Besides the retractable high heels? Besides the <laughs> retractable high heels, yes. <laughs> well... I can't, well, I guess I can. I can tell you this, that uh, one time I was given a sort of a cosmetic compact case that looked like, say, powder or lipstick or something, and it was actually uh, putty inside so I could take an impression of a key. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did which it work? Is, yes, it did, uh, which is kind of low tech, but still, how cool is that? That's pretty cool. What did you open? I'm sure you can tell us. (laughs) Sorry. 
All right, we heard from Justin. Justin says he listens to our show while staring blankly at a computer screen. Justin, these next 15 seconds are for you. I, first of all, I feel like we should apologize. Because you, this is so boring. Well, I, I feel like uh, we, we, should, we should find something, you know, more stimulating for Justin to do. We can change the song. I mean, that's there you go. Justin, I, I, I don't want to assume anything, but I think you're going to have more fun if you turn the computer on. That does it for this week's show. What would you learn, Ian? I, I learned that uh, there was a fourth elf in the Rice Krispie elf family. I wonder if Pow was just too explosive a crispy. Like, in, in combination with Crackle, Snap, and Pop, Pow was just too much. I want to get to your point, but what uh, you believe that... that Crispy was their last name. It was Snap Crispy, Crackle Crispy, Pop Crispy, and Pow Crispy. Right. The Crispy Brothers. They're all, yes, from the Rice Krispie families. It's a, it's a hyphenated last name. Okay, we are having another uh, photo contest. We tried this over Thanksgiving where uh, people sent in photos from their road trips. This one is about being shocked. So uh, without hurting yourself, any uh, however you want to interpret the phrase... Uh, someone being shocked. We want a picture of that, again, without hurting yourself or actually electrically shocking yourself. Again, don't hurt yourself. Uh, Don't hurt yourself, but send us a picture of yourself not being hurt, but being shocked. Do that, and we will send you a 10 megaohm resistor. And if you don't know what that is, it's a small little wired device that will keep you from being shocked by static electricity. Ever ever again. It's a must-have. So, uh... Take a picture, uh, be creative, send it to howto at npr.org. How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our interns this week are Adeline Peeval and Griffin Peeval. It takes two. Hit it. Our illustrator is Justin Witte. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.